if you want to wait a little bit, then I'll just go to a place where I can get uh, four bars. <laughs> I just have to go down the highway a bit for that. Anne Rose Georgeson and I have been chasing cell phone signal for the last several minutes, trying to find a place to record this interview outdoors. In order to get good um, service in my area, I have to walk a little bit, and it's the best on top of the hill close to my house. Except today, it wasn't. The call kept dropping. I kept having to ask her to repeat things. I sort of thought this, and I should have just gone. And then I was like, no, it's so good. It's so, so much reception. <laughs> anyway. Both Anne Rose and I thought it would be so fitting if she were to record this interview while sitting outdoors. We could have birds chirping in the background, hear the wind rustling through the trees. It made a lot of sense, considering her artwork is so much about the land around her home in Vanderhoof. I'll call you back in about probably 15 minutes or something like that. Instead, Anne Rose got in her car and drove down the highway, all the way to the town of Vanderhoof, in order to get good cell phone reception so we could have this conversation remotely. But if that's the price you have to pay for living in a place that you love, then it's not such a bad price after all. Thanks for being here. This is the very first episode of Tracing Lines, a podcast dedicated to talking with artists about their work, process, and ideas. My name is Megan Hunter-Gautier, and I'm your host. I'm also the assistant curator at Two Rivers Gallery, located on the traditional territory of the Clately Tenay, on the land that is now known as Prince George, British Columbia, Canada. Anne Rose is our very first guest. And today, we'll be talking about her exhibition, Gathering, a retrospective in a changing landscape. We'll be talking about the various bodies of work in her exhibition, how Anne Rose draws inspiration from the land around her home, and how the subject of change influences her work. All right, I'm glad you're here. Let's get started. Thank you so much for being part of our very first podcast. Well, thank you so much for inviting me. It's really awesome. Um, to give you listeners context, Anne Rose is an artist based in Vanderhoof, BC, a town just west of Prince George. Vanderhoof is characterized by farming. There's lots of fields and also some really good locally made pie. Anne Rose would know she's lived in Vanderhoof for the majority of her life. And fun fact, she moved to Vanderhoof as a young girl when her family immigrated from Switzerland. It, it's true. I have lived in Vanderhoof for a, most of my life. Yeah, we, we came to Canada when I was three and then moved around a bit, but came and moved to Vanderhoof when I was six. It's been a long time and I've lived here most of that time. And you've lived on the same piece of land for the most of your life too? Yeah, yeah. When I was ten, we moved over to that piece of land that my parents um, got an agricultural lease on, and eventually bought. And it, yeah, it's where I still live today. So I've been in that same place for a long, long time. That's really special, though, to really have built that long relationship with that piece of land, with that area. 
It is. And it, I mean, it used to be, it's, it's really changed over the time too. When we came there, it was entirely forested and my parents cleared it and we helped, but, um, and turned it into farmland. There's still lots of it that's forested, but, um, yeah, the agricultural lease demands that you clear a certain amount. Um, so that was, that was when I was a young person, that was our life. As an artist, you draw a lot of inspiration from this place, obviously. To let you all know, Anne Rose has been painting and drawing and creating for many years. And we're speaking with her today to talk a little bit more about her retrospective exhibition, which is currently on exhibit at Two Rivers Gallery. It's called Gathering, a Retrospective in a Changing Landscape. So it's currently on exhibit. It occupies our two main Canfor galleries. And there are 70 works of art, or about 70 works of art, in that exhibition. So that's a lot. (laughs) (laughs) It is. It's it's a huge amount of work. It's actually sort of crazy. But But also really exciting. I remember installing the work, and you came for a visit. What was that like, getting to see that space? It, it It was, and it's still really overwhelming to see that much of my work it's usually packed away in boxes and just uh, i don't see it so it it was overwhelming to see it all out and i mean that's not all of it either but still overwhelming to see that much of it out and it looks nice together so that was uh, also a nice thing yeah i know for me as someone who was installing the work and um helping with the exhibition in different ways. It was really exciting to get to see that narrative unfold um, from your earlier work to your current work and um, see some of those connections. It, yeah, it, it's true. It is really connected together. It, um, the subject matter is pretty much always um, the natural environment in some way. So that hangs it together um, in one way. And it's just, I, I keep going back to similar ideas or motifs over and over again and I don't know sometimes I think I'm just um, always doing art about the same thing just over and over (laughs) it's sort of similar it's all about where I am and where I'm living so it's some artists do art about many different things and I'm sort of doing it mostly about the same about the same thing to talk about the work a little bit more, let's let's dive into it. There's a number of series to talk about. I'm going to try to list them all without losing my breath. We have, <laughs> to begin, Knowing Where You Are, 1998, A Secret Language, 2003, Hope Persists, 2007, Cut Blocks, 2010, Field Notes, 2012, Tapestry, 2013, Forest Chronicles, 2013, Logging, 2016, Hay, 2017, Wildfire, 2018, and Forest Floor, 2019. So all of that work spans the past two decades of your practice. There's there's lots of work, yeah. Many different bodies of work. And in each body, there's, you know, sometimes 25 or more pieces. Uh, yeah, so... Lots of different works. 
The curator, George Harris, of Two Rivers Gallery, designed the exhibition so that it could take viewers on a general chronological journey through these bodies of work. So if one were to walk into the first gallery, known as the South Gallery, and turn to the wall on their left, they would encounter work from Knowing Where You Are, that that first series from 1998 that I mentioned. And the two works representing that series there are Tree Climbing and My Stronger Self Holding My Weaker Self. Could you tell us a bit about these? Yeah, that, that was the series that I did about um, self-portraits, uh, about myself in at my at my place at my home um not in my house but sort of in in the in the bush in the land and um the tree climbing one is um i i took it from a photograph of myself when i was um just a a little girl climbing trees and i just really like climbing trees so i wanted to put that in and each of the uh artworks in that series has uh, photographic elements collaged on because that's also an interest of mine is photography and I wanted somehow to combine photography um, with the with the art, drawing and, and painting to make a, a coherent artwork and that was sort of the aim of that series and the other piece that you talked about the my strong self holding my weaker self is um, two figures. One is a, a bird-headed figure, and the bird um, is the sandhill crane, and it's holding um, somebody that looks like they're having a hard time. And it's just a way of uh, it's showing that we have different parts to ourselves, <laughs> some strong, stronger parts that step forward when we need them. Where did the inspiration for the bird come from? The bird. Um, is a sandhill crane, and we have sometimes we have sandhill cranes that nest at our place. Um, they make just the most. It's not. I wouldn't call it beautiful, but it's the most eerie sound when they fly overhead. And yeah, sometimes they nest in the swampy areas at, on our place. Just maybe a week ago or so, I saw about four or five of them um, standing in the water at our place. And again, you can hear them. They're just so nice. Now, I haven't seen them since, but I really like them. It's really beautiful. And it's it's really interesting that the stronger self, which is the the bird type person, um, is, is related to the land, to the place that your home is, almost like drawing strength from that place. It, that's exactly what I was trying to do, show. Yeah, that is where lots of my strength comes from, I think, is from from being rooted to the land. Yeah, and the land itself is, well, I, I try and go out and walk a little bit every day, and it, it does as soon, the minute I step off, <laughs> out of the door, I feel better. <laughs> Even if I'm feeling good, I still feel better. <laughs> that's really, really special. Following that series, we continue this journey through your practice, through the bodies of work, um, A Secret Language, Hope Persists, Cut Blocks, Field Notes, and Tapestry. So all of those are in the first South Gallery. You walk around in a circle to experience that work. Could we run through and get a quick summary of each of these series? Yeah, the Secret Language 
um, was I, I did a series. I was really interested in a random um, thing, randomness and chaos theory. And I, I love the way that uh, particles were distributed randomly. And by that, I mean, you know, like leaves falling from the trees make sort of a pattern of how they fall. Or um, also I talked about ant ant holes in a stump or just all kinds of patterns like that. So I studied that uh, a lot for a few years and developed uh, uh, some kind of script or writing um, from mainly plant-based things. So the little curly ends of the peas or of the fireweeds, and I put them together to form a script. It's sort of like an alphabet. And then I wrote stuff with them. Um, and that took up quite a lot of time. So that was, and, and it seemed to me like nature was almost um, telling us a, a, a bit of a, it, it was hard to, to decode, but it was a bit of a message. I don't know what the message would be, but still. Would you it, be able to decode what you wrote? I, I could, yeah. Yeah? And, yeah, sometimes I needed the code um, because I've sort of forgotten what it was. But yeah, um, I made a, a code to go with all of those. And then, um, yeah, you can you can decode it. A lot of fun to do that. Yeah, it has this playful element to it. Yeah, <laughs> yep. Even when I was a kid, we used to do coding and decoding and try to do some. So that's a long standing interest also. Hope Persists is a series of work that I did in response to the mountain pine beetle epidemic that um, really just killed almost all of the pine trees, all of the mature pine trees for sure in, um, our, in our area and actually in lots of North America. So it's a huge epidemic. And um, we, we live in a place where um, at my house, there were a lot of pine trees, and they all got cut down. So that um, that body of work is all about sort of my grief and loss and um, response to that uh, epidemic. And the next group of work was um, the cut blocks, and that's from I I. Um, went to the bush quite a bit and saw um, maps of the cut blocks and was really um, surprised by how how many cut blocks there were. And um, I did a bunch of work just about the shapes of the cut blocks and how, you know, how they look nice together. Um, and the uh, next group of work, which was also an exhibition at Two Rivers um, Art Gallery, was called Field Notes. And that was um, sort of just, a, um, it, it described the changes of the forest and how, how um, resilient the forest is um, in dealing with some of these changes, including like the pine beetle epidemic. It just um, no matter what happens, little trees <laughs> seem to grow back anyway, which is, I find, very hopeful. Yeah, it's a... And then the tapestry one um, is 
it's it's a closer it's a look sort of more um, directly into the tangle of the forest and the chaos of the branches and sometimes um, looking at the floor right below us which is what I'm doing again right now that's the work that I'm working on um, at, at the moment sort of a circle back yep again yeah <laughs> no that's good it's like it's always growing the narrative continues it does it sort of spir spirals right it just loops back and and each time it gets maybe a little bit uh, there's hopefully more added to it and it gets a little deeper and more complex to to continue this journey um along through this timeline of your work we would enter the north gallery so the second gallery and if one were to turn immediately to their left once again they would encounter a series of of eight small paintings and they're hung in two rows stacked on top of each other. So they belong to the most recent series, Forest Floor. And you mentioned that that's sort of referencing back on um, tapestry a little bit in some ways. But we'll, we'll come back to that one a little later since it's a more recent work. And we'll just move on to the other bodies of work in this space, which include Hay, Logging, Forest Chronicles, and Wildfire. So beginning with hay, I'd love to talk a little bit about the brush strokes that you use to create the works in this series. They're they're very loose and tangled, and I just really enjoy the aesthetic. Oh, cool. Thanks, Megan. <laughs> there, that series of work is um, because I live on a farm, and our the produce that we produce is um, is alfalfa hay. So the so subject was just hay bales or in some cases loose hay but these ones that are in the gallery were hay bales that are really close up so you can't quite tell what they are it's just sort of an abstraction of cross lines which is actually something that i was working on when i was in school is that cross cross line things i was just thinking that now in my sketchbooks we're full of that just cross lines <laughs> <laughs> more looping back mm -hmm. and they really do have this full organic quality to them um although they looked very they look very abstract at abstracted at first um the next series um is logging and um this series depicts various logging scenes like logging trucks and things like that yeah it's um it, it, that for that series of work my brother is a logging contractor and he let me ride along to work a, a couple of times and i went and took um, photos of all his machines working and just so that series just shows um, the machines and the how the logged um, landscape looks um, as you sort of drive by it yeah and the Forest Chronicles is sort of like the field notes, um, except it's it, they're very large um, works. They're uh, I, I stapled canvas to a sheet of plywood, and so they're more that size. They're not quite as big as a sheet of plywood, but just about. And I wanted to just make uh, one. Uh, work about each change that the forest had and sort of really uh, distill it all into one, the one piece 
Um, so there's a lot of changes in the forest. You know, one was farming and land clearing, and um, another was like uh, the pine beetle epidemic, and there was one. Um, so yeah, the, all those changes, and I made a large piece about those things. My partner, who you know works in forestry, he came to the opening of your exhibition, and when he looked at the logging series and at the Forest Chronicle series, he said, I've totally been there, I've driven those roads, I've been every place that she's painted, and, you know, he hasn't been to those exact places, but those works really evoke the feeling of being there, of being in the bush. Yeah, and that those like comments from people that work in the bush like that that just makes me so happy <laughs> because i think um, they don't often see their work site shown in artwork it's um lots of people think that the work of logging is really ugly and not um not beautiful enough to to paint um so it's it makes me happy when people um recognize um, places that they've been in that work that's really nice to hear yeah it's it's also it means it's work for them because they can recognize it and see themselves in it and i feel like um people who might not necessarily walk into an art gallery and feel at home there would when they see your work those persons who work in forestry who like spending a lot of time in the woods who might get dragged there by a family member <laughs> but that works, that in, works the arts. in the arts like me um <laughs> but they, they exactly um but they can find yeah. they can find some familiarity through your work and i think that's really special because it opens up the door of art for these people i i really agree and it it also i know um one of my artist friends um uh, was also working in logging uh, or her partner would not not her partner her friend was also working in logging and he said a thing that I really liked and he said it's you're honoring our work and I thought yeah that's actually right and that's nice to be able to do that that makes me really happy to hear too the next series after forest chronicles sorry is wildfire so let's talk a little bit about that one that was another time um, my brother asked if I wanted to come with him to see the fire, and I was right there. <laughs> and so we we drove out, and it it was sort of tragic but beautiful too. In the place where he was working at that cut block. Um, well, that day when we went to the to look at the fire, that day all those logs burned up on that cut block. So yeah, it was quite a a tragedy um, and I've never been close to a forest fire before and the same thing again I took lots of photos and it's just like it's unbelievable how loud and powerful a fire is you it's because it's so different than a, a regular fire that's controlled it just has it's majestic and you know, it left a very large impact on me we watched for quite a while, and it was, I mean, we, it was, we weren't in danger. We, um, the fire sort of slowly crept up a, a cut block, so it was burning stuff slowly, and we could hear it roaring in the background. And, but anyway, it's, it's pretty impressive. 
So yeah, I made um, paintings from those photographs. That's like extreme image sourcing for paintings. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> it was, I, I got some uh, a smoky lung full of air, which lasted for quite a long oh, time. Oh no! <laughs> yep. But anyway, it was. Yeah, my brother said, "Don't go that close." Another time, I was like, "I would never." <laughs> I would never have gone that close if it wasn't for you. But <laughs> so it's, it's his fault. It's still, <laughs> yeah, we weren't. It, it's not like we were um, reckless. No, of course. Still, it it is. It was extreme image sourcing. I agree. For the past several years, wildfires have been terrible in BC, and you know, last summer at least within the city of Prince George, it was a bit better in that the air was a bit more clear. Um, but I remember in 2017 and 2018, there were summer days when the ash and smoke were everywhere, and it was like living in a post-apocalyptic landscape with red skies. But when I look at those paintings from the Wildfire series, I don't feel that same level of dread that I remember experiencing during those summers. Like, first of all, the paintings are beautiful, and they're characterized by these gorgeous wispy brush strokes and even like this bright color palette and yeah could could you just take a moment to describe a bit of your approach when you were creating these paintings it it just like fire is just terribly beautiful it's and it's bright colors it's i when i was making these paintings i had to buy new paint that i never use very often um orange and yellow and pink and red and i i don't normally use um, those colors because that's not what you see a lot of in the forest um but that's what the colors of the fire are and they're beautiful they're yeah they're amazingly beautiful and the smoke is sort of just makes everything uh yeah wispy because there's bits of smoke coming through and yeah it yeah it i mean the photographs are also uh, beautiful of for of fire um there are other people that make fantastic photographs um not me but anyway <laughs> they're, my my photos weren't that great but they were still um really nice to work from but they're yeah the colors are intense and bright because that's sort of what what it's like it's 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 almost like a exaggeration like they're everything is heightened and exaggerated and the same with being there it's like that too then it's really loud and it's smoky and the sky is apocalyptic you're right about that a secret language and the wildfire series they both you said it they they document devastating occurrences but they're also natural occurrences so the mountain pine beetle it's going to bore into trees because that's what it does. There's circumstances that have made it worse, but this is what this beetle does. And forest fires, they're going to happen even without human intervention because they're part of a natural cycle. There's, you know, trees that can only repopulate with fire. So these artworks, they address these environmentally devastating subjects, but you appear to do this from a place of sometimes neutrality but also hope it it is it's it's funny 
um, when I was doing that um, hope, hope persists, um, it was at, when we first had the cr trees cut down around our house, I definitely wasn't at a point of neutrality then. That was, I just, I felt in a way betrayed by nature. It was like I, I recycle and I do, <laughs> I'm, I do nice things to nature. You know, I don't, I don't um, pull out uh, endangered wildflowers and whatever. I do my part and I, I try and spread awareness and and then what? Like you brought the pine beetle right to my door. Like that's anyway. Um, after a while, you can uh, step back a bit and not, or I I could and not take it personally because it didn't just come to my door, it came to everyone's door. And 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 like you say, it is really a part of nature. That is what they do. And we did, you know, there's a lot of uh, debate about what makes it worse or better. But in any case, this is part of nature. And most um, forests have some kind of um, boring beetles in them. And it's not out of balance. It sometimes gets out of balance and then there's this kind of a thing and yeah i hope and the same with fires i mean some there's a lot of debate about why the fires are particularly bad now but um some and some of it has to do with our interference when we put out smaller fires then it ends up leading to larger ones but um you're you're really right these are natural occurrences this stuff is what happens, and it, there's no—I mean, there's no point railing against it. It's—it's it's sort of like the pandemic now. It's not—it's—it's it's bigger than people. It's just a—it's just what happens. It's a, a a natural thing. Yeah, it's bigger, and there's—we're—we're we're just one small part like it doesn't revolve around people we're just a small part in here and in some ways our interference makes these things worse um, and definitely our large populations make these things worse but it's not as an artist I don't really want to um, I don't want to be on a pulpit about it I just want to show it what happens and show the feelings that come up from living in a place with these changes. So that that's sort of where I'm, I'm trying to, because I think um, it's, those are things that are not beautiful. And art is often really concerned about the beautiful. And so, so yeah, this is um, more my interest than, and at the same time, I actually find it super beautiful. <laughs> Like the the color of the the dead trees, the mountain pine eaten trees, that bright red. Yeah, it was just amazingly beautiful. It was hard to say that because you know it meant a lot of grief to people, but it still was beautiful. Same with the fire. Yeah, yeah, and and you have this statement on your website that sums up that so well. It's related to your field note series, and it says. I look for the beauty in the ugliness and believe in the ability of the land to recover and regenerate. Yeah, yeah, that's, I, I really do believe that it, it, it doesn't really matter about, um, I don't know, less than a month after a fire goes through, there's already 
green things poking through that black dirt and you know grass and fireweed and other plants are coming up immediately and within a year there's new seedlings new pine seedlings up like just the couple needles coming first and like i don't know of anything more hopeful than that <laughs> it's just you know regeneration right under your eyes it like makes me cry whenever i see it it's it's just the most beautiful thing yeah it's a really really moving experience to have in nature to see it come back it's a uh, sort of a good a good hopeful thing to carry into other aspects of one's life yeah um so change that's that's a that's a constant in your work <laughs> that's for sure yeah um and we can see examples of it everywhere the change of seasons regeneration of trees and other flora after devastation and the word change has even made its way into your exhibition title so <laughs> i would say it's important yeah. um how, how do you think documenting change has driven you as an artist um i i was thinking about that and i i think that um the what a the, the land itself changes or um, stuff on the land changes and it's true like the seasons make uh, a change or uh, yeah there's the drastic changes like fire or the pine beetles or logging or you know those kind of changes and um, yeah and just documenting the land itself inevitably you'll document the change it's just sort of what um, what happens when you look at one thing over and over, you'll, you'll make a record of its change. Yeah, I think that's exactly what you're doing. You're making this very beautiful record of things that are happening immediately around where you live and in your part of the world, but also it, it reaches further than that too. Yeah, and and I'd say that the the, the strong motive isn't to look for the change. It's just to make a record of what is. And then over time, you can see how um, how it differs from, and it highlights the change. I'd like to bring focus back to the series uh, Forest Floor, which we skipped over a little bit earlier. So it's your most recent body of work. Um, and I'd like to go back to those eight small paintings that hang in two rows. Could you tell us a bit about where your subject matter comes from and the process of creating these works? They are, those um, images all came from uh, once when I was driving down our road and I took um, some photos of the ditch. Um, and it was, um, there had been a first snow, but not really, um, everything was entirely covered. So it made really cool patterns, uh, black and white patterns mainly. And then from those photographs, um, there's not that many, but anyway, a few photographs, I just took um, little squares uh, and sections and um, enlarged them and made paintings from them. And yeah, that's how, how those ones turned out. And I worked quite quickly, so they sort of, the paint smears a bit from one uh, color into the next, and I really enjoyed doing that. So. They were done a little bit earlier than the rest of that forest um, floor series, but it's still, it was sort of the uh, start of them. 
I don't think I've spoken to an artist who's decided to paint what they see in a in like a ditch. <laughs> <laughs> no, but the ditch is so full of cool subject matter. <laughs> Yeah, it's beauty everywhere, right? <laughs> there is. There's that's the lesson here. <laughs> yep. And there's a lot of beauty in those ugly places that you sort of almost overlook because they're just not beautiful. If you just look a little bit more, you'll see the beauty too. I love that. Yeah. Um, the series Forest Floor it continues, and it takes us back to that first gallery, the South Gallery. And there's this movable wall dedicated to showing more work from that series. So on one side of the wall, there's two more, three more paintings. And on the other side of the wall, there's some small paintings, some framed photographs, and some sketches. So those photographs, sketches, and paintings, they're all related. And they really get give us a chance to see your process from, you know, reference photography, sketchbook, and then a final painting. Yeah, that's, um, that that does show how I was working. And the at, in that series, I really wasn't using the photographs at all to do the artwork work from. I just um, took them sort of to help me remember where it was. Um, but I was working directly from the sketch, from the sketchbook drawings. And what I did there was each most nice days um i'd go and sit out in our in the forest behind our house and just sit on a one of the old stumps from those pine beetle <laughs> cut trees and um just draw what i saw right in front of me and from i'd i'd work i'd try and do one of those um drawings every day and then um uh, later, I, in the studio, I worked and made paintings from those drawings. So I'd pick a drawing and just try and make a painting um, using using the drawing in the sketchbook as the subject matter, and not even looking at the photographs because they didn't they didn't help at all. At the beginning, I used the photos, but they just um, I didn't really want to make um, rep real representations. I just sort of wanted to make um, yeah, more abstract um, uh, ideas of the drawings. And that's what I'm still working on now. So. so there's elements in these drawings of what you'd see in front of you while sitting on a stump, for example, sketching pine needles, things like that. And I even heard rabbit poop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there were, there is some rabbit poop in the drawings too. Sometimes I guess it's part of the forest yeah. floor, right? <laughs> yeah, there's I I know it's right there. <laughs> and there's as the summer went on, um, there got to be more taller plants, and then I sort of um, first I was doing a really top down uh, view of things because that's sort of what you see, and then as the plants grew, I sort of would draw them a little bit sideways, um, still a, a little bit top down, but um, still the, the plants would be um, more going vertically. So it, yeah, it's, and then, yeah, um, some, sometimes I included some of the little trees because there's now a whole lot of small pine trees growing. So I'd put those in too. 
growing in the place of where the other ones were cut down. Yep, <laughs> yep. That must be nice to be among them when you're drawing. It's it's so nice. It's such a nice thing. I've started doing it again now um, this year. It took a long time for the snow to go away, but um, it's gone now. And I've started going, and it still feels really good. It just feels... I, it's it actually makes me feel like I'm at home <laughs> in the sitting on the stump just looking carefully at stuff well that's a great hopeful note to end on I'd just like to really thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me and share with me and our audience a little bit more about your work and a little bit more about where you come from as an artist. So thanks so much. Thank you so much for inviting me. I've really enjoyed talking to you. Tracing Lines is produced by Two Rivers Gallery. Intro and outro music is composed by Kevin McLeod. And of course, the wonderful artist I interviewed today is Anne Rose Georgeson. To learn more about Anne Rose and her work, be sure to check out her website, which is linked in our show notes. To keep tabs on Two Rivers Gallery, our exhibitions and programs, Follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Lastly, be sure to subscribe to Tracing Lines in order to be the first to know about our future interviews with artists. You can find Tracing Lines almost anywhere you get your podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Overcast. Hope you tune in again next time.